Well, good morning, Renovation, and uh, just so glad to be with you here again on this Sunday and that we have this option. You know, and I know for, we've used the term around here a lot at Renovation, game changer, and I know those can be something of great greatness and can, man, change your life in a whole different trajectory in a path that you go, man, I never even thought I could be here. And then there's some uh, that devastates us, and we know for sure one family today we're just thinking of and just love you guys and, and just so thankful for you and that God is with us. For me, one of those game changer moments, fall of 1990, pulled up to Washington and Pine in North Little Rock, pretty humble church, was there to meet a man that I had only heard of just before that, Brother Paul Holderville Sr., we got there, Jan and I, with two other couples, dear friends of ours, and worked with us in the youth. One of them was actually the youth pastor. And we got there, and Brother Paul wasn't there. He's supposed to meet us. He wasn't there. He was out doing something. I thought that was kind of rude, that he would be out and about doing something, you know, and he's supposed to meet us on this certain time, and that's how we work, huh? So we waited, and then we listened, and we heard stories as we stayed there and listened to other people talk, people who had come off the street, and because we went there that day really to, to learn more about ministry to those who are disadvantaged or, or, or have been uh, in poverty or homeless, and that's why we went there, and as we listened to the stories of people there, so we've never, one of the gentlemen that was living on the streets told us, he said, you know, we've never met a man. I've been on the street a long time. I've never met a man who would get down on the dirt with you if you couldn't get up and look you in the eye because he valued you that much. And for, Brother Paul finally showed up, and, and, you know, he was out doing something, probably wasting his time. He was going picking up a, a, a homeless man who had urinated all over himself and had had all kinds of stuff. And Brother Paul picks him up, puts him in his own car, and takes him to the hospital. Now, that's a waste of time, right? See, my thinking, my thinking had to change. Life was happening. Brother Paul was living it out every day. I had a schedule. Brother Paul had a mission. A little different, huh? And you know I'm being sarcastic when I say it's a waste of time. You know that's not true. That's not how I feel, and you know that. Friendly Chapel was placed in a city with North Little Rock and Little Rock. Four years after that, HBO makes a, a uh, documentary about gang war banging in Little Rock about the, the, the gangs and all the things that were going on. And I think it was about, I think it was Gary, Indiana, maybe somewhere in California. But, but they had made this HBO uh, special on this. And the reason I tell you that, this little humble church and this part of the city, the police used to call it the oasis in the desert because it was that little dirt there at Pine and Washington that was kind of off limits to any other activity except good things. went there that day to learn about the disadvantaged and the homeless. What I got that day was a living, breathing theology lesson. Not only was Brother Paul's story uncommon, he was uncommon. See, the message of Jesus 
is intended to have an impact upon our lives. It's not just to get us to heaven. It is supposed to change our lives right now. It's not just trying to get theology correct. See, Brother Paul would have never taught a theology class. And at his funeral, one of his black pastor friends, and the only way he could say it, said this. And I won't even try to say it the way he said it, but it was just so powerful. And it's been 22 years, over 22 years, and it's left this impression on me. And he said, many people have the theology of Jesus, but Brother Paul had the reality of Jesus. A relationship with God that revolutionizes a person's life and in turn has a great possibility of revolutionizing and impacting other people's lives. Hundreds of teenagers have been to Friendly Chapel from this church and from Crossroads. Changed. The Christian is different. Uniquely different. Uncommon. And according to Scripture, as I read it, those differences have radical implications, not just cosmetic ones. Last week we talked about, as we were working through this series of the greatest, because Jesus has asked the question, what's the greatest commandment? And last week we talked about the greatest of these, which is love, the greatest left this is love and so as i've taught on this before over the years i usually just jump into heart soul mind and strength and neighbor but for whatever reason the lord has slowed me to slowed me down and said if you don't get love right you won't understand how to do those other things and we talked about last week the a couple of differences when it comes to love a couple of subtle things that damage that sometimes just go unchecked if you will Our indifference, in other words, it just doesn't matter to me, and distrust or lack of trust and lack of motive. We said this last week. One of the things that's so hard in the culture we live in today is we don't trust the motives of those who we seem to be speaking. We just can't quite figure out what is the motive behind this particular uh, um, news article or this particular political statement, this particular, p- p- uh, particular thing, we struggle with that. So we don't trust. And when we don't trust, what do we do? We withdraw. Trust is that element in love that is perfectly sure of the other's goodness and motives. Trust is so valuable, I said last week, it's scary how underrated it is and how misused. Trust, and you've heard me say this many times, trust leads us to respect. Respect leads us to vulnerability. And vulnerability creates a, a, a platform at least for open conversation. But when you don't trust someone's motives, and you, and you don't respect them, you won't be vulnerable, and you back up and you protect. But we believe that the love we're talking about here, especially if we replace the word here when we talk about God, in this commandment where we say, I trust the Lord of my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love can be lost, right? Love can be used for all kinds of different things. I love ice cream, I love this or that. But trust, I trust the Lord my God. 
I am not indifferent to God. Mark, 28, Mark 12, 28 through 34, if we, is our passage that we'll stay on for the next few weeks, but Lord willing, but we go, one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. He asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. I said last week the Ten Commandments are wrapped into these two. To love the Lord our God. To love our neighbors ourselves. But as I was working on this this week and I, I was prepared to teach on the heart, soul, mind, and strength, it just came to, I feel like the Lord showed me, you can't skip over those till you get four words that are repeated in this passage. That is all. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. So I thought we'd just camp out for a little bit today on all. The word means in the Greek, holy, or H-W-H-O-L-L-Y. Now, we may talk about holy later in the message, but this is holy. Where all the parts are present and working as a whole, as the total, which is greater, which is greater than the mere sum of the parts. We're not just working in our strength, and we'll talk more about that hopefully in the next few weeks. In other words, from the outward, what our body is and what's at our disposal, we're not just working for God from there. We're working from God with all four pieces. Individually, they're fine, but when they work together, there's something beautiful happens and something powerful happens. By the way, all is the opposite of indifference. A marriage, if you're all in, is the opposite of I'm indifferent. Your Christian faith, if I'm all in, it is the opposite, full opposite of I'm indifferent. Here's my definition of all, and I've kind of, I'm sure I've Stole some things from someone else, and Lord forgive me if I have, but I, I couldn't find it. I, I, I took this and Googled it, and nobody did it exactly this way, so you take it for what it's worth. But here's my definition. To love God with all means to follow him utterly, absolutely, with heart, soul, mind, and strength, in deep conviction, without any reservation or misunderstanding that you're all in. That's a mouthful. But let me say it again. We can go back to this slide. To love God with all means to follow him utterly, absolutely, with heart, soul, mind, and strength in deep conviction and without any reservation or misunderstanding between God or anybody else that I'm all in. 
If you were to go out and ask people who know you reasonably well, would they believe without a hesitation that there's no misunderstanding you're all in with God? See, a believer, with, a believer that has little or no hunger and thirst after righteousness is what Jesus says in, in Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled. Those who don't have that don't really mean what it means to be all. See, as a new believer, and I'll say this, if you just come to Christ recently, maybe you don't quite understand what all this means, and that's what all means in this sense. But I do believe this, over time, after new birth, you will grow in grace, and you want to give all. You may not initially, you may not even understand, but over time, when we're saved many times, what the deal is, we're just glad we're in. We're so excited that God's grace came and saved us and he forgave our sins as far as the east is from the west. We're so excited about that. But as time goes on, he begins to show us things. And I'll talk about that a little more. And what I love about this passage of scripture where Jesus, the way Jesus states this is and the order he puts it in is that heart, soul, mind, then strength. Because what so many of us have done in our, in our faith, if we're not careful, we try to fix things on the outside and not worry about things on the inside. That's called religion, just so you know. I'll try to fix up everything on the outside. It's called legalism, which leads to bondage. But man, when Jesus talks about, let's start from the inside and let's start working our way out. I believe if people are serious about following after Christ, I believe they want an authentic relationship with him. And I also believe, and it's why the church and the, the body of believers is so important, they want to do it with people who are going the same direction as they are. Doesn't mean they won't have great friends or, and have acquaintances and all that with people who don't want that. But man, you want to hang out and be around people who are going that direction. That's the reason why when you meet a brother Paul Holderfield like I did in 1990, there is something inside of you that you realize this incarnation of Jesus is real. It's not just a theory. It's not just some theology. It's not just in scripture. It can be lived out. And I want to hang out with people like that. Because that's where I want to go. I, I won't be perfect and I won't ever get there, but man, I want to be better than I used to be. We talk about it here all the time. I am transformed and I am being transformed. He's not done with me. But I love, and I, I mentioned it last week, Philippians 1, 9 through 11, because I believe it describes intimacy, which again, trust uh, leads to respect and respect to intimacy, which intimacy leads us open to dialogue and conversation and where I can trust your motives. But Philippians 1, 9 through 11, again, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that on your electronic, you may want to highlight it. If you've got, you got a Bible, you may want to circle that because it's so important there, because so that. In other words, this needs to happen so that you may be able to discern what is best may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with what? The fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise 
of God, to be filled with his spirit. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled. If you don't have any hunger, don't worry about it. You won't be filled with it. But don't worry. But it's hunger and thirst. And the three words here I just want to mention briefly before I start preaching is abound here again. It means to go above and beyond. You go above and beyond, man. This is uh, unimaginable what God can do, right? In Ephesians 3, it's unimaginable what he can do in our lives, but it's above and beyond. The second word here I want to just mention briefly is knowledge. The word knowledge there means firsthand experiential knowledge. I tell you, friend, you can go learn all of this. Again, Brother Paul was never, excuse me, I'll get back here. I may go crazy. But Brother Paul will never teach a theology class. So many times when I heard him preach, he would say, Mama, which was Sister Barbara, Mama, would you stand up and read that scripture for us? Because he was sometimes, I think, I don't know if I'm embarrassed or whatever to even read it out loud because he had a challenge. I think there was some challenge. I'm not fully sure about that, so don't quote me on that. But I know he would have her stand and read the scripture. But here's what he did. He had the reality of scripture. He didn't just have the knowledge of Scripture. He had the reality, the firsthand experience. That's what this means here. And I love what Dallas Willard says, and we've quoted it many times here. Knowledge in biblical language never, man, that's just powerful when it says never, underline, never refers to head knowledge, but always to experiential involvement. Always. And the last word there I just want to mention is the depth of insight, or the word there would be discernment. But what I like about depth of insight here and the, and the, and the, uh, the, the interpretation from, from the Greek is the sense or discernment which cuts through hazy ethical matters to really size up things. Anybody need that? Let's say it again. Discernment which cuts through hazy ethical or moral matters to really size up things. It's only used in Philippians 1.9. It's the only place this word is used. Does anybody right now need to cut through whatever? <laughs> God, I need, I need God-type discernment. I need God-type insight. There's good news. You knew there was. John Wesley, the founder of the Wesleyan teaching, which, of course, we are part of here at Renovation Church and part of the Church of the Nazarene, that there was more to salvation than one that runs hot or cold or having enough religion to make you feel guilty most of the time. And this is his quote, and you've heard it, many of you have heard it hundreds of times, seems like. By salvation, I mean not barely deliverance from hell or going to heaven, but a restoration of the soul and its primitive health. A recovery of the divine nature. You know, that nature we were born with in the garden, the nature we were supposed to keep. The renewal of our souls after the image of God in righteousness and true holiness and justice, mercy, and truth. I want to live there, folks. I want to know what's called the great radical optimism. There is no ceiling on the good things that can happen. 
I know a lot of what I'm talking about today. Many of you have heard me speak on before and I've talked about, but let me say this to you, friends. I can't imagine a greater message besides a salvation message than this message to tell you today there's more. There's freedom. This all in. Don't confuse it with, I like hanging out with all those people. This is a personal relationship with Jesus. And well, I'll just, I'll just hang on till I get to heaven. I'm a, I'm a sinner saved by grace. Okay, I'm not arguing with that. I think scripture bears out part of that, but you leave out part of it too. I love what James Bryan Smith says. He says, and when he hears people say that, he said, when I hear people say I'm just a sinner saved by grace, I want to make, say that makes as much sense as a butterfly in saying I'm just a worm with wings. So much more. See, the all here is more than rearranging things around. It is a complete and total renovation. Where God renews, where he transforms. He does it from the inside out. 1 Thessalonians 5.23, talking about all or whole or entire or complete. If you've been around the Church of the Nazarene, you will know this passage of Scripture. 1 Thessalonians 5.23, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify. And literally what that means there is to be set apart. That God would set you apart. Not as holier than thou, not as, no. We know that when you study scripture, holiness is about becoming more like Jesus. And Jesus says, I didn't come to be served, but to what? Serve. So we know that's not what, it's not a holier than thou. That's not what that means, but to be set apart for God's use. To sanctify you through and through all. May your whole all. Spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And let me say this, entire sanctification, if you've ever heard us talk about it, and hopefully we can talk more in depth in different settings, it is never really the, the, the goal of the Christian life. But it's really just the beginning point I think about. I, mean, I realize salvation is the beginning point in, in, in so many ways. But when you start to grow and this thing takes off, I think sanctification, when you become to God and you just begin to lay things down. Jan and I, in 1988, after I'd been a Christian for about two, two and a half years, and, and, and I got home from church one day because I'd watch people around me and things like that. And you said, well, you shouldn't watch people. But I was doing it, I think, for the right reasons. And I just said, Lord, if this is all there is to it, getting to heaven, paying my tithe, those kind of things, I think I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to take my Sundays back because I'm in. I was in, but I wasn't all in, right? But if there's more, I want more. And it started us on a journey. We ended up uh, at a church and and, and, and inside of all this, and we were trying not just Nazarene churches, we actually, that was one of the last ones we even checked out, but mostly charismatic churches, and we were going around, did this for a good while, and uh, I was lay, I, they were laying hands on me, to praying over me, and the Lord just spoke clearly to me under people's hands, said, quit seeking the gifts, but seek the giver. You know me, I'll take care of the rest of it. 
And we ended up in the church of the Nazarene beginning to understand or at least beginning to hear about what this means to consecrate your life, to be, then to be sanctified by God's grace, to set my life down, to offer my life, all parts of it. And it changed everything. And I love what John Wesley says about, sanctification, says about this. He says, salvation is the porch. Sanctification is the door. But the house is full fellowship with God. The goal is not the door. The goal is not, the goal is to be in full fellowship with God. I stand at the door and knock. Jesus says, to have fellowship, to come eat with you and you with me, to have fellowship with you. And may ask the question then, okay, Kurt, that's great news. Then why aren't more people wanting that? Why wouldn't you want that? If you're going to be a Christian, why would you not want that? Well, I think the number one reason is we like sin. We're self-centered, and we, for the most part, we like it, and we want our way. Second reason is we're ignorant of Scripture. And what I mean, that not, 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 like, not like stupid, but we just don't know all the Scriptures that talk about the whole idea of holiness and sanctification. It's over and over. And the third thing is, is, is something we don't talk much about is, is our endemic nature or the old man, the nature we were born with that is bent away from God. We are not born into this world to follow after God. And when the Holy Spirit comes, there becomes a battle in our life. If you, I, I'm assuming you've been there because I know I have, and I continue to be there. It is a battle. But what happens, I believe, when we consecrate our lives to the Lord and we give ourselves to him and we're all in, that bent starts to be towards him, even though it'll try to twist it back. Instead of being this way, it begins to be more towards God, even though sometimes it seems like I'm bending back towards the middle, the other direction, if you've ever had that happen to you. But it is this dying out to the self-centered self. My holiness teacher from years ago was a theology class, uh, and it was a pastor that used to pastor here, uh, and he was my teacher, but he said, he said he believed holiness was dying out to the self-centered self. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And here's the deal. Without this, you will not love your neighbor as yourself. You can talk it all day long. You won't even love your spouse or your children the way that God does without laying it down. Because what he's talking, the endemic nature is, it's filtered through me first, Adam nature. It's filtered through me first. No matter how much I want to say I love you, and no matter how much I do on the outside to do things for you, until God begins to change our mind and our heart, which is what we talked about last week with love. Love is, this agape love is when I become changed, you can curse me, you can spit on me, you can slander me, you can do all kinds of things to me, but one thing you can't make me do is quit loving you because it's not based on you. It's based on what God has done in me. It changes everything. That's what we're talking about here. That's the reason why I can sit with a brother Paul Holderfield and watch a sermon. Not hear a sermon, but watch a sermon. Because he had the reality of the incarnate Jesus through the theology that we believe in is real and we believe it's there and it's backed up. 
But here's where most of us end up, and I think it begs this question, and I'll get going here. I know, I'm, I'm, I know it's good preaching, but I got to slow. I got to get out of here. Okay. It begs this question. Can I only reach a point in life where I can just manage my past, my open wounds, or strongholds, or habits? That's the best in the side of heaven? Is that the best? Or can I reach a point where God changes me and I'm really over it or I don't want to do it anymore? I've said this word. The goal in Christianity is not to stop eating the garbage. The goal in Christianity is not to have appetite for the garbage anymore, period. To the glory of God and for the betterment of others. Not just for my own good, but for the good of my, my to, for God to get the glory and everybody else be better because of it. That's why. I don't know about you, but many times when I read scripture, especially this particular one, it haunts me. And it's Hebrews 12, 1. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Years ago, I, I, you know, I, and I look back now and I wonder why I was so resistant throwing off the, for me personally, and I'm not trying to put it on anybody else, but the weight of alcohol. Why was I so determined to keep running my race with this habit that had begun to feel, had begun to feel so heavy. And this happened many times since then. But the Holy Spirit whispers, aren't you ready to put that weight down yet? Don't you think it's time you stopped this one? You fill in the blank. Because isn't it getting heavier the longer you hold on to it? Have you ever picked up a weight and just decided, I'm going to hold this weight here? And when you pick it up, it may weigh 20 pounds, right? And it feels like, okay, 20 pounds. But hold it for 10 minutes. How much does it feel like it weighs now? Hold it for an hour. How much does it feel like it weighs now? It still only weighs 20 pounds, right? But the fatigue of carrying it, for some of you, you can't get out of the negative events of your past, and I know what that's like, because the past, if you're not careful, has a voice. It calls you, like a bad drug or something, it calls you, it whispers to you. But how do you deal with that? You triumph over it with truth. Don't allow your past to paralyze you. Rather, let it lead you to the depths of God's love, which are grace, which is, as far as the east is from the west, he will give you the strength and power to now walk it forward. That's what we're talking about. And so when we give him our past and we give him our memories, 
and you say, God, you do with this as you will, filtered through the Holy Spirit, that sets us free. In my life, and maybe in yours, there are things at times as I walk along in my faith, I'm going along, and, and, and the Holy Spirit just says to me, I believe, you know, Kurt, that used to be okay. It's not okay anymore. Anybody ever been there? Raise your hand at your house. Raise your hand in the room. Have you ever been there where you're going along and you're growing in your faith and you're, and you're, and you're, and you're asking the Lord to show you because you want to be all in? And he goes, Kurt, I was all right with that. Not necessarily all right with that later. I mean, before, I wasn't all right with it. However, though, I couldn't say enough to you at that time because you were not far enough along in your faith for me to show you this. Now it's time for that to go away. Here's the crazy thing that I have realized over the years. I not only try to do the will of God, I literally want to do the will of God. I wasn't born to want to do the will of God. Something supernatural has to change. That's the thing about salvation alone, and I don't, and that's the reason why uh, Psalm 51, 10 through 12, King David, after Nathan had come to him and challenged him about, about his affair with Bathsheba and, and, and the murder, and, and, and Nathan challenges him, and this is, this is David's words in, in Psalm 51, 20, or 10 through 12, says, creating me a pure heart, O God, renewing me a steadfast spirit. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. But his words there, creating me a pure heart. What David is saying here, I believe, David realized just asking for forgiveness alone is a slippery slope. Because only standing on God's forgiveness We can easily go back into something pretty quick. But when he renews our heart and he changes our heart, that's the reason why salvation is great. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Don't hear what I'm not saying. But but I will say this. A person who is saved can still be really selfish. Anybody know anybody like that? Just look around the room. Just kidding. I'm sure everybody there is sanctified and set apart. You can be saved and still be very selfish. Sanctification begins to deal with that. Salvation deals with sins acquired. Sanctification deals with the very nature of why you sinned in the first place. The edemic nature goes straight to that. Why you even do it? Because you've got to bend away from God and, and, and through the Holy Spirit it begins to bend you back, not only straight up, but towards God. Transformation or entire sanctification, we use the word transformation here a lot. That we believe, we believe our vision here is to raise up influencers through spiritual transformation to be salt and light where we're engaged and influential. Transformation, spiritual transformation, not just formation, not just getting all the practices right, but literally transformation renovated from the inside out. And Wesley just says, His radical optimism comes when people give themselves fully to him. 
Ephesians 4, 22 through 24 says, you were taught with regard to a former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made nude in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and true holiness. Again, folks, I'm not making this up today. I think there's, like I said earlier, I think there's over 600 scriptures that refer us back to this. But let me, please let me, please hear me. God sanctifies by his grace. We offer or consecrate. But it's his grace that sanctifies. We need as much grace to get, we need as much grace to say, sanctify or continue in our walk with Christ as we did to get saved in the first place. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to offer yourselves as living sacrifice. Offer yourselves holy and pleasing unto God. That is your reasonable, your proper act of worship. No longer conforming to the pattern of this world, but being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. This is about renewal, transformation. You've heard me say this illustration before. It's like Jesus, like you welcome Jesus and salvation into the foyer if there was such a thing in your home. If there was a foyer, let's say the living room, the first living room, you welcome him in there, but you say, okay, Jesus, you stay in the living room, but you can't go in the kitchen. You can't go in the bedroom. You can't open the drawers in the bedroom for sure, and you can't go into the bedroom. You only let him in there. We'll talk about more next, next week, Lord willing, your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But you got to begin to welcome him into every place. And some of you, like me, like I added the room. There was a room that never should have been on my house. The room of pornography should have never been on, attached to my house. But I attached it to it, so I have to leave that, room, that door open all the time. I have to keep it kicked. I actually take it off the hinges. For God can do what he wants to do to make sure even at 60 years old, i got to make sure that's the case. I had alcohol. I, had, I added rooms. And maybe you've been there or are there. Wesley would say the only barrier to the power of God to restore the human being to the image and likeness of Christ is the person's own resistance. That's it. Not their schedule, not how busy. Oh, do you realize there's a coronavirus going on? I can't do that. Do you realize? No, no, no. It's their own resistance. And I believe this, most of your spiritual growth will happen post-sanctification, post-consecration. When you begin to give him everything, your finances, yes. You give him your, your, your time. You give him your, your, all of your, your uh, devices. Okay, what I'm looking at here, I need to clear out the noise because I want to know discernment, knowledge, and depth of insight. And I can't do that with all this noise. Some of us put too, way too much noise in our heads. And it goes into our hearts. The good news, I'm going to ask Josiah to come down as we close. And I said there was good news a while ago, and I hope I've been preaching good news to you today, that there is more. Ephesians 3, 20, 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than I could ever ask or imagine according to, though, right? According, again, that's a, that's a word that you need to, according to his power that is at work within us. Glory. And to him be the glory in the church in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. 
Amen. As Craig Rochelle says, your brain does not understand what your God is capable of doing through you. There's way more inside of you than you can imagine. See, Christianity is not just different. It's unique. It is uncommon. It is not just another religion among all the other religions. The Word says it is the way to God. And what's so great about what God offers us is the opportunity to know him intimately. And when we begin to know him and walk with him and have knowledge of him, firsthand experience, and we begin to be obedient to him, he can transform us in ways we never could have imagined. The definition from the beginning, to love God with all means to follow him utterly, absolutely, with heart, soul, mind, and strength, and deep conviction, and without any reservation or misunderstanding that you are all in. See, a relationship with God revolutionizes a person's life and in turn should impact people's lives around you. The Christian is different, uniquely different. And according to Scripture, these differences have radical implications. I want to pray for us as we close. So maybe right now as I spoke today, the Holy Spirit prompted you. And maybe it was even to the point of you've been indifferent. You've just been indifferent. And no doubt today, I, we can't just change that. If I, but what we can start doing is walking a certain direction. I don't know if you've ever been on a diet before. I've never wanted to go on a diet, ever. But I've started walking towards it until it became part of me. And then it, that built off the next thing and built off the next thing. And before you know it, I was way more disciplined and more concerned about my health. I just didn't really, I, I said it in my head I wanted to, but I was indifferent to it because it didn't mean enough. I wasn't all in. And that's just one example. And we could go marriages. Lord, help us for each one in that marriage to say, I am all in. But man, you can say all that and you're not saying it to God? You'll fall flat. We can't preach about love your neighbors yourself till we get, can I love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength? Can't do it. Because it's there where we begin to die out to the self-centered self that I look at someone else, their need first. Maybe today, as I was speaking, there was something you need to put down. Maybe there's something like your whole life you just need to offer, the whole house. Maybe when I spoke today, maybe, just maybe, you, you it crossed your mind going, I'm not letting God in there because I can't trust him. I can't trust him with my time and my talent and my treasure. I can't trust him. 
I can't trust him with that past memory. I can't trust him. I'm not saying you have to go tell everybody else, but I'm saying trust God. But when it really comes that you, you come and just lay it all offer, Lord, here it all is, every bit of it. The whole house. Even the rooms I've added on, the whole thing. It's yours right now in the name of Jesus. Let me pray for us. We're going to sing a song as we close. But maybe, just maybe, and you can do it through the chat or you can, you may, may not want to do it there, I don't know, or tell someone. But say, I want this all in. I'm not fully sure what it all means, but I want to be all in. But there is no misunderstanding. Of whose I am, I am his, and he is mine. And he has it all, the best I understand. Let us pray. Lord, we come before you today, thanking you for your word that will not return void. Lord, we tried to use it today to be very clear that your word says there's more. Some are already experiencing it, and some are already living into it. I'm, I'm not, there's nothing new to them, but Lord, for some today, this is, this is new news. That this is offered. But they have to offer also. Their life, their living life, not, not, as, a, not as one that would die, but want a living sacrifice, Romans says. A living sacrifice in their homes and their workplaces and their relationships and their friendships. A living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing unto you. Lord, help us right now. As we sing, as we think, as we pray. To be like you. Because Lord, we know that when, we're, when our lives have been revolutionized and changed, it impacts us. Even way after we're gone. Thank you for this, Lord. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. As we sing.